Hey, babe, can you help me move these barrels? I'd like to store them in your basement, if you don't mind. They're pretty heavy. Uh, sure. Wait, hey, what's that smell? Is, is that coming from these? Why is it sloshing? And why are they so sticky? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spilled some fruit punch on the uh, outside here. Hey, go ahead and grab the side, and let's try to uh, push them down the stairs here. Okay, ready? One, Well, two, well hold on. Don't, don't uh, let it go. Uh, that got everywhere. Oh my god. Is that a foot? It's a nice foot. Um, yeah, we're breaking up. Welcome back to another episode. Whoop whoop. Um, yeah, we're back. Uh, we do want to very first and foremost shout out our newest Patreon members. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I may have missed this one, so I'm just double checking it. So perhaps this person gets a lucky two shout out. Jacqueline, uh, thank you for joining us as well as Shelly. What's up, Shelly? Hey, Shelly. Um, so wanted to make sure that we reach out to, um, to everybody there. And we do have a surprise shot request, very specifically from James. Okay, James. Uh, so James actually requested, it's more of a drink, so I made it into a shooter, but it's all booze. So I guess six and one half a dozen or the other. Surprise shot, surprise shot. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. I at least I said shot both times, very deliberately, I guess. No, I no, I didn't mean to say shot, but then realized it, it as it was coming out the first time, and the made sure the second time it matched. Yeah. So for you Patreon guys, we just recorded an episode just for you. Uh, well, Tristan me. Bailey. Tristan Bailey story. She's a thirteen-year-old or was a thirteen-year-old cheerleader, and you may have heard of that in the news. Actually, Nicole researched that story and put it together for us. So that's on Patreon for you Supremos and Tacos of all sorts. For you, James. Cheers. Cheers, James. Is that like Kahlua and Bailey's? Yes, plus vodka. That was a mudslide request. Ooh, that was yummy. If you're new here, welcome. This is the Talk Murder to Me podcast. I put all my sources, photos, and videos on TalkMurder.com, so go there and follow along with us tonight. This episode is number 238, if you can believe that, because I cannot. That's a lot. 238. So go to the blog, and uh, you can see all the photos. We got barrels of photos. Wait. That really didn't make any sense. Unless got, it was... A, <laughs> was that a hint? <laughs> hint? We got a lot of photos on there. Plus, we are doing this on YouTube. And I apologize for not putting the YouTube video out for the last episode out already. But usually it takes me a few days because you got to remember I'm editing all this stuff uh, myself. So it takes a few days to do that. So by Wednesday, the YouTube video for this episode should be out. And you can enjoy that as well. And you can see us and see my pot belly that one of our Supremos had uh, noticed in the last video. I'm so. just glad she said it about you and didn't comment about like <laughs> my pot belly or my back rolls. Your brawls. 
<laughs> roles. I need to like I, that's those are my two areas. Well, three. I need to work on my roles, my fupa, and my belly. Oh, COVID. The COVID nineteen. Oh no, this was here before COVID. Let's be real. <laughs> I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I'm just lazy. <laughs> So tonight's story is requested by a good friend of ours, a Taco Supremo. He requests a bunch of good stories. We've done a few of his stories, maybe more than one. I'm not sure. But anyway, he always requests some good stories. And this episode is about the Snowtown murders. Anyone? No? And it's requested by our good friend and Supremo Malachi. Want you to Malachi. Oh, Malachi. Yes. So he always requests some really good stories yep, for yep, us. Yep. And I have a bunch of his that I want to get to eventually, but I uh saw this one and thought it's thought it was really interesting. Well. And I had barrels of fun researching this. Oh <laughs> there's that barrel word again. Uh, Remember those hug barrels? The monkeys? The barrel monkeys? No, the juices. Oh, yes, 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 the yes, The barrel yes. juices. Yes, but also, do you remember the barrel of monkeys? Yeah, of course. Who wouldn't remember that? All right, so we are going to Snowtown in Austria. Australia. Austra- oh, Australia. <laughs> Australia. Okay, different part of the world. This is, uh, oh, shit, where did Australia where go? Where are we? Oh, shit. Good day, It no longer exists. Oh, fuck, where did it go? <clears throat> Oh, oh we are we oh, are wait, that's not no it. that's Madagascar. <laughs> oh, oh no! All right. uh, there we go. Need, we need to do a, a geography bee. Oh my gosh, is that because of the wildfires that it's all brown? No, no that's the outback. <laughs> <It's> the outback. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! There must be a bunch in Africa too. <laughs> oh my god! The whole place is on fire. <laughs> The desert. Okay, I'll stop being mean. Okay. Yeah, because there were wildfires in Australia. You may not remember it because 2020 had so many different tragedies, but that was something that happened. That kicked it off. All right, tonight we're going to Snowtown. This is in South Australia. We're talking about a serial killer tonight. Oh. A group of killers. Oh. A group. And. Like the smiley face like murders. Like a cult? So look at this town. That's tiny, tiny. tiny. <laughs> it's teeny tiny. This is Snowtown, and is there a lot of snow in Snowtown? <laughs> no, it's Australia. But this is Snowtown. It's extremely small. We're actually going to Three Zero Railway East Terrace. So this is East Terrace right here. It actually reminds me of an old Western town. It does. It does. And uh, you know, I like this. I would definitely live here. I wouldn't. But like you saw, there's nothing around it. So this is an isolated town. No, not for me. And that's where that's where I could do it if it was near the beach, but it's not. So we're on Google Earth here for you guys on YouTube. And as you can see, this is the exact spot that I'm starting this story at tonight. It is a uh, rundown area. What does this look like to you? A grocery uh, store, like a like an old timey like market store, yeah. No, let, let's go around the back. See if you can guess again. <laughs> no, you guys are bad at this. <laughs> it was no, it's not. A, it's not a bad guess. It's just uh, it's, it's not just not a good one. Exactly what it was. 
<laughs> Let's see around the back here. It doesn't look like what it used to be. All now, I see is trees. I can't really give you a more accurate Well, grip. it's closed down now, but well, especially... Actually, this location has been sold 15 times Is it already. haunted? <laughs> yeah, Whoa! For a, for a gruesome tourist kind it's of attraction. It's not a house, is it? No, it's actually... I already house. It's Sorry. actually the old state bank. Oh. Oh, is this a robbery? Uh, Oh my gosh, this does remind me a little bit of uh, the video game that we're playing. Oh, Jen, you should have seen it. John made gave the character that is the main character in the game a shave and a haircut one time when I, I was like going to the bathroom and I walked out and I was like, oh my God, you made him look like you. It looks just like John, <laughs> but in a cowboy hat. It's that's funny. Really funny. Is it a first person game that you know what the character looks like? Yeah, no, yes. that's third person. Yeah. But yeah, you can see over the character. Wait, first person, first person means you're you don't see the character. Right? You're just yeah, looking that's what I'm asking. Yeah, but you can you can uh, be a first person in it or, or yeah. a third person. Yeah, yeah you can okay. change the camera angle. Okay. So this is actually the spot we're going to tonight. This is a and the old state bank. Interesting. And a little bit about the banking crisis of Australia. They consolidated all the banks. Apparently, something like that. I didn't really hmm. research it. So. This bank was actually for rent, and in 1997, the person who rented it was paying $60 a week, and it came with a vault, because, you know, they build the vault. There's they mo- build the bank yeah. around the vault. Yeah, that's what most of them do. You can't move that vault. That vault's going to always be there. That would be my hmm. crying space. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, even if people came to come visit me, and I was just like, they were like, crying oh, Jen in, must not be home. I'd be like, no, I'm cry- in my crying room. <laughs> Go talkmore.com to see these photos. I'm putting a lot of photos on talkmore.com. All right, Nikwes, can you read this? this? is from the Sydney Morning Herald, the 23rd of May, 1999. Town rocked by bodies in bank. Oh. Bodies in bank. Bodies yeah. in the bank. Bodies in the bank. <laughs> Actually, it's the body. Well, the bodies were in the vault. Yeah, that would be a good body hiding space. <laughs> Bodies in the bank. So what? This is a robbery, right? That's what y'all thinking? And then they got stuck in the vault and then they just starved? No, oh. I think that it's a killer banker who's taking their loan uh, No, keep in mind, keep in mind, as I said before, this bank was closed down. So the person that was renting it was not a banker. He just wanted to rent the space. The bank, there wasn't a bank. I mean, it is a bank, but it's, it's no, no longer okay, a bank so at the maybe, time of the crime. Maybe it's whoever the real estate person is when the person applies for a mortgage or something, and they can't, they can't like make the payment. He'll just like kill them and say that they could and uh, steal their identity or something. This town, Snowtown, which you saw it on Google Earth, literally nobody lives there. Snowbody. you can't even find the common marsupial in snowtown because they don't even live there kangaroos (laughs) fucking nobody lives there so when this hits the news i mean this is the only thing that has ever come out of snowtown and there's actually a true crime story that happened a hundred kilometers away, whatever the fuck that is. Please use the <laughs> that, system that that's, works. That's possibly that's far a, or close. I'm not sure. That's the metric system. That's either far or close away. Yeah. But uh, you're, you're making yourself which, sound very educated right now. I will say, you know, everyone else in the world uses the metric system. We're the ones that are pains in the asses about it. America. 
So Snowtown is known for this one thing. They'll always be known for this, and that's the only thing that's ever going to come out of this town. Unless we go there and make a, a splash. But 100 kilometers away, there is another true crime story, which I have not done. The Truro, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, a town, I think like 12 or 13 bodies were found or something like that, just right down the street. Mm-hmm. So... There's something going on here. Anyway, if you want to... Are con- they related? Or is that what you're saying? Are the towns related? No. no the story- are the crimes no, related? No, the I think kilometers are closest to miles on the metric system. Well, yeah. What else? Well, you Isn't 100 it- kilometers like 60 miles, maybe? It's not the equivalent, but it's... Roughly? It's closest to... as Like, it's closer than a centimeter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Well, that's also in the metric system. That's what I'm saying. Like a mile is is closer to a kilometer than a centimeter. I know. That's what the, every that's. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, that was good. That was uh, good. That was okay. Good. I'm just I'm just trying to help you out. You said a, a kilometer or whatever that is, and I was trying to help. All right. So continue reading from the Sydney Morning Herald. Snowtown, a small grain-growing town in South Australia's mid-north, is suddenly on the map for all the worst reasons. Six large plastic barrels containing the decomposed remains of probably six people had been hidden in the heart of the town since February. Oh man, like you don't even know if there's only six people in there for sure. Oh no, there's more. You can fit more than one person in a barrel. I learned that today. (laughs) (laughs) One time in chemistry Uh, class, we did this project where you were like trying to figure out how like your body density in water. And so we went into a barrel, like different people went into a barrel and I volunteered and I got stuck in the barrel. Oh God, I just wouldn't volunteer for these things. Another uh, good fact about this that I learned is if you're going to hide a body in a barrel, don't use hydrochloric acid, use sulfuric acid. Because it'll destroy the barrel as well? No, it'll destroy the body. Hydrochloric acid breaks the body down really slow. Oh, so it's a bunch of like gooey sludge? Exactly. Ew. It's slime. <laughs> they actually talk about it in the ah! book we're reading. They swiggle the slime because it's slimy, slimy. It's like Ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't like that. I use that word... Like to describe people I don't like who I think are weird, like not weird, like geeky Gross. weird, but like with the, like sketchy. Yes, I will sometimes use the word slimy. Detective Superintendent Dennis Edmonds of the South Australian Major Crime Squad said police opened two of the barrels on Thursday night and identifiable human remains were seen. The existence of male and female body parts have been confirmed. They may have been stored in acid or some other corrosive agent. The most awful aspect for police dealing with the case was the smell. When the vault doors were opened on Thursday, officers were hit by the pungent odor of decaying flesh. Can you imagine them going in there and being like, I wonder what's in here and lifting the lid up and it just hits you? (laughs) I imagine that Sex Panther from Anchorman smells so much like, <laughs> yeah. somewhat like decaying flesh. <laughs> smells like Bigfoot's dick! <laughs> 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 when he opens the thing. <laughs> 60% of the time, it works every time. I need to see that movie. I need to watch it soon. So actually, the bodies were there since February. And 
if you guys have never been around a bunch of decomposing bodies and barrels, I have not. <laughs> you'll know if you have been around them that the stench is unbearable, and no one in Snowtown, all three residents that live in this town, complained because. Well, why do you think that is? Why couldn't they smell? It was in the vault. There you go. It was locked in the vault, and the vault is apparently odor-proof. It was in there since February, so for the past few days, it's been seeping out. That's the word the newspapers oh, no. would use, seeping out into oh, Snowtown. So everyone's like vacating the town <laughs> the immediately. The smell of the slime. The, sm- <laughs> the smell. Oh. The slime is contained in the barrels. Yeah. Oh, right, got it. So I'm putting some of these photos on talkmore.com. They're using just regular garbage bags. I mean, because this is Snowtown. I mean, I can imagine their police force being like one person. <laughs> but anyway. Paul Blart, mall cop. Yeah, so you see the uh, bags they're bringing out the whatever they find in the barrel in. Uh, these are the barrels right here. Hmm. They're 44-gallon barrels. They're plastic, and they cost $25 each. Well, in 1999. Oh, that's probably like 60 bucks now. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. This is inside the bank, what you're seeing here. And obviously, they're not going to show you the slime, even though I tried to find it. I'm just saying. Quick, take a picture of me deep in thought in this vault. (laughs) What? (laughs) Uh, All right, so what do you guys think so far? Who, who Who put all these bodies? And they said probably six. That was the day after they found them. There's a lot more than that in these bodies. There's at least... Well, there's not two per each, but some of the barrels have two bodies in them. Okay, so it had to be somebody with access to the vault, or if the building was abandoned, someone who knew the vault's combination, because I don't know how easy it is to change combination of a vault. So perhaps it was the former bank manager back when it opened, and he was a secret serial killer, and when he knew that the place was empty, he knew where he could hide his bodies. All right, so that's not correct at all. Actually, the serial killer we're talking about tonight rented the bank for $60 a week, and he put these barrels in there of all the people he's killed. And for reasons I don't really understand, well, I kind of do understand why he didn't just dump them out in the wilderness because they're sludge now. You just dump them out. He didn't do that because... You know how serial killers like to keep trophies? Yeah. Okay. He liked these as trophies. So that's who we're talking about tonight. So just keep Couldn't that in he mind. Just, like, <laughs> these are his trophies. Dump out, the, <laughs> dump out the sludge and keep the barrels to remind him. So was it easy for them to track him down because he was the one renting the place? Like, did they figure that out yeah. real quick? Oh, they figured it out, like, in a second. After 12 people have died, they figured it out. <laughs> Going back to the Google Earth... And you saw us zoom in at the town. Mm-hmm. There are a million crevices in that landscape that you can dump out these barrels. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. The reason. Plus it's like the wild outback. You could exactly. toss out a whole body and exactly. some big animal is going to go take it. So the especially slime. That's like eating and drinking at the same time. Ew. So the reason that he didn't do that is because he had such a, an affection for these barrels. They were his trophies. I'm just trying to get you guys... To understand who we're talking about tonight, because he is not all right in the head. (laughs) 
But again, he, he what loves, killer is all right in the head? He loves these barrels. and My strange addiction. The vault was the best place to keep them. And even the, the landlord had went into the bank once it started seeping out of the uh, the vault. And he tried to open the vault, but he couldn't get in because he didn't know the combination. Okay, so, the, so they uncovered this because eventually the smell started getting out, even though the vault was sealed. So this is the book we're reading from tonight. It's called Bodies and Barrels, The Snowtown Murders. This is by Jack Smith. Pretty sure that's not his real name. <laughs> so fuck <laughs> Jack Smith. I mean, come on. I'm pretty sure a lot of these true crime authors, they use aliases. It's the same person It's for the all same of them. Per- a lot of them are probably the same person. I think a lot of them, like the big true crime authors, if they want to just get a story out really quick and write just a... You know, just really rough copy. They'll use an alias, you know. I I really think that's what's going on. Anyway, this is your killer tonight. What do you think about this guy? Is he cute? Um, No. No, he looks like a janitor. He is going to kill 12 people and stuff them, most of them, into those barrels. And he is going to hoard the barrels because he loves having the trophies. This is his accomplice right here. Whoa! Hey, oh, flipping the bird. His, uh, he's the muscle. So there's a he lot. He's the muscle. He there, looks like Ryan Gosling with a shaved head. So there are a lot of players in this story. You could potentially call the main guy, which we just looked at. His name is John Justin Bunting, like Bunting, a baseball bat or whatever. Uh-huh. You could call him a cult leader because oh. he that's basically what he kind of was, okay, is a okay. cult leader. This guy you're looking at now, his name is Robert Wagner. He's the muscle. He's tall. He's real tall. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. is the one that, you know, how you have a, a villain and then you have his henchmen and mm-hmm. they're all really big. Yeah. He's that he guy. would be played by um, Jason Stratham. Yeah. Stratham. Statham. Mm. Yeah. Statham. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he's gotten fat, which I don't hope he hasn't. Cause he was ripped in that, uh, in that one where he was, uh, the Italian job. Well that, no love that movie. The one where he was, um, Oh my God, Mark Wahlberg's in it. It's the best. Marky Mark. No, it was the one where he was, uh, it was like a race, Fast death race furious? or something. Oh, no, I know he. It's like a series of movies. I don't watch that. Didn't watch them. I only knew him from the, the Fast Italian. and the Furious. No, he's not yeah. in the Fast and the Furious. I thought he is. He's in no. one of them, like the seventh or he. I know he's in one of them. All right, who you're looking at now? And if you go to talkmore.com, you can see this guy's profile. He actually looks a lot like Jack Black. I know not in this photo, but I'll show you one where he does look like Jack. He Black. looks like a teacher or something. Very. What school did you go to? I'm just saying. Put on a Mr. Rogers sweater and he could be teaching history class. Does he look like someone that will put 12 bodies in barrels? No. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. This is John Justin Bunting. Talk a little bit about his childhood here. He was born in 1966 and lived in Anala, which is another town in Australia. When he was young, he had a hobby that he loved to do. He loved to catch little spiders and insects. Light them on fire. No, not light them on fire. Save them. Save them. Ant farms. 
He Our used, guesses are way off tonight. <laughs> he used to take he used to take uh, these spiders, especially redback spiders, which are prevalent in Australia, and he would put them in a container and then just dump whatever chemicals he can find and mix them together. He used brake fluid, nitric acid, and even chlorine. He would submerge them in there and watch them suffer and die. And some of the insects they they emit like this scream. Have you ever heard a roach scream? It's the most terrifying no, thing ever. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. So this is John Justin Bunting, born 1966. He lives lived in Anala, Australia. He used to trap these little redback spiders and torture them. However, he came from a privileged childhood. We've been seeing that a lot lately with the killers I'm covering for some reason. Tom and Jan, both his parents, loved him unconditionally. And in many occasions, if he wanted to take up photography, which he did as a child, as like a 12, mm-hmm. 13-year-old boy... They would buy him the nicest camera. If he wanted to learn about the stars and astronomy, they bought him a telescope. They gave him everything he wanted. Everything. Great life. So what happened? How did he put 12 bodies in barrels? Not 12, 10. How did he end up putting 10? He wanted to. So. So that's what he got. He was rejected by a woman. He also. He got fired. He also loves chemistry and he started developing his own photos. However, he, he was really bad at math, so he couldn't pursue chemistry. Oh. But that's why he likes chemistry. He was mixing this stuff with the spiders. Sure. So, which, you know, makes sense because now there's a bunch of chemicals in these barrels. Obviously, he wasn't too good at it because he didn't use sulfuric acid and he used hydrochlor- hydrochloric acid. If he would use sulfuric acid, he would have probably got off scot-free because there well, would be no evidence. It it would have broken down the bodies to like complete slime right yeah they were still like little arms and fingers right which was the problem with with what happened yeah so they can get dna from your pinky finger but if it was just a bunch of slime through childhood he jumps from one hobby to the next he's never satisfied he never sticks to one thing Another thing he loves doing is digging holes, and he actually got really good at it. In fact, his dad actually had to scold him once because him and one of his friends, they dug a complete tunnel under the house, like a man cave. Hmm. And you can tell that he's really good at digging holes by this evidence photo right here. Look how evenly squared out that entrance is for this hole. Wow. Now, some of the bodies, the earliest bodies out of the 12, were buried. So he would dig a hole and bury them. But look how good of a job he did with digging this hole. It's pretty impressive. But his dad scolded him for that and told him he can't be digging holes in the backyard. Also a little bit about John Justin Bunton is he loves guns and he loves World War II. And he became a collector of weapons, homemade mortars, and such. He was so interested in World War II that he picked up a shiny new copy of Mein Kampf, the English version, and he began to dive into the philosophy of Hitler. Hmm. And his words. I'm assuming not in a good way if he later becomes a cult leader. He actually got in trouble at a young age. Now, this is when he's still in high school. Okay. He tried to buy a Nazi flag, a Ooh. real Nazi flag. Oh. Yeah. And a, a genuine SS uniform. And he got caught doing that. Because hmm. I guess you can't have them. Which makes sense. But for a historian, wouldn't you want one, though? I mean, holy shit. There, uh, it's 
uh, it belongs in a museum, I guess. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it's like the museum and rat race. Yeah. The Barbie museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you're looking at now is actually the same person. I know he looks oh, a lot different. Very, very but different. But this is him as a youngin. I think he was probably 18 here, maybe Brendan 17, Fraser. something like that. Mm. Looks completely different than he does now. And this is when he was getting heavy into Nazism and all the ideologies behind that. And through Nazism, he learned to hate a group of people. Do you want to guess who they were? The Jews. No, uh, that, obviously that was the best guess. But no, mostly homosexuals and pedophiles. Oh. And according to... Interesting that he's placing them in a similar category. Well, yeah. you're going to see why. And here in Australia... Like that's That makes no sense. The, well, go, go on. The demeaning term for a homosexual in Australia, which he used quite often, is poofters. We've heard that before, poofters. When John Justin Bunton was a child, eight years old, he had a life-changing experience. Really? And you ask, you know, why does he hate homosexuals and pedophiles? Well, him and a friend at eight years old, he was over at his friend's house. That friend's older brother, his blood, his biological came out the same whole brother beats up his own brother, which was a friend of John Bunton's and John Bunton at uh-huh. eight years old. And then he rapes them, oh. both of them, rapes his own brother and John Bunton. So he was sexually assaulted and raped at a very young age. Okay, so that's where he's trying to, he's tying a connection. Exactly. Now, that brother's father came home and walked in on this. So that brother gets on his motorcycle, escapes, crashes into a tree and dies. (gasps) Oh, how traumatic. After this moment, John Bunting is going to have a disdain. I don't even know a, a better word than that. A straight hatred, a venomous hatred for homosexuals and pedophiles, which he considers are the same thing. And he is on a quest, and that's where the cult aspect comes in. He is on a quest to kill pedophiles, to kill homosexuals. That is his mission from God, like that one guy we did talking to Yahweh. What was mm. his name? Michael something. I can't remember. At 15, he becomes a father. Not much is Whoa, known. Whoa, at 15? At 15, he gets a girl pregnant, becomes a father. Not much is known because he doesn't even know. He disowned the child. It's not mine. I don't even care. Get out of here. Never talk to the child again. Didn't care. He takes menial jobs after he drops out of high school. And he attributes all this to the sexual assault that happened to him, the traumatic events. And he moves in with a few friends. A lot of these friends are drug addicts. However, this guy you're looking at now, This photo of John Bunting, you can tell more than the other ones, but he was generally a nice guy. People liked him. The people that he worked for, the companies that he worked for, all these menial jobs, would hire him again. They actually really liked him. And a lot of the him getting laid off and stuff like that was just the Australian economy at the time. You know, like, Mm -hmm. for instance, he worked for a museum, which I'm going to get into, and they had to let him go. But they gave him a a raving uh, reference. They actually loved him. He was a personable guy. He was 
confident and he was funny and people loved him. And that's why he brought about 10 people into his murder ring. Most of those people actually ended up in the barrels. Oh, one of his friends that he moved into the house with that friend referred him to a job where he worked and he wasn't sure at first. I'm not going to like that. The job was a slaughterhouse. He Uh, loved it. Oh. His job was organ removal. So you got the cattle coming down, Jen. The cattle's coming down the line. You get the gloves on. Although I'd take mine off. Feel the warmth. (laughs) You you First, you take the spleen out. Just rip it out, Jen. It goes all in your mouth. Oh, yeah. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) She's not even looking at you. (laughs) So he was the organ remover. He removed a kidney, spleen, all that stuff. And he would actually go home and brag about it. He loved it. Loved it. That would, hands down, make make me a vegetarian. Once and for all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I killed a horse in a video game the other day. And I was so depressed. Yeah. (laughs) He was like, oh, but the horse didn't have to die. Like, he went over to the horse and made sure it was dead in the video game. And then shot it just in case. (laughs) I didn't want it to suffer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a bunch of computer pixels. I was like, don't waste your time. The law's coming. Yeah. <laughs> he gonna come after you. All right, here you go. There's a good picture of him right here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This right. is, this, what you're looking at now is a photo of John Bunting sitting on the can in the, in the prison cell <laughs> reading a <the> newspaper. <laughs> was that like, is that like a legit or is he posing because he was at a, no, like I guess a prison it's legit, museum? Yeah. The doors open, like the cell doors open. I mean, they just let them run around with the cell doors open. And he's not even in prison clothes. It's Australia. Who knows what's going on out there? John was a short man. Squeaky voice. I used to have a squeaky voice. Actually, when I went through the drive through, they'd be like, yes, ma'am. Come on, pull around. <laughs> John Bunting was a short man. Squeaky voice. He was always trying to prove himself. OK, that's why the next guy we're going to talk about. We're only talking about. Two of them tonight, John Bunting and Robert Wagner. There's okay. other players, but if I bring them in, it's going to be too much. I'm going to bring them in as victims, but just remember there's two that we're talking about is John Bunting and Robert Wagner. Okay. So Robert Wagner is the muscle. John Bunting is a short man. He's considered a, quote, nice bloke, end quote, by a lot of people. He once worked in a motor museum. He was painting the uh, floor, but the museum ran out of money. But they gave him a raving a reference like I talked about earlier. So that's the kind of personality uh, he's working with. However, he started getting more into Nazism when he was getting out of his teenage years. And he started openly talking to other employees and other co-workers about how much he wants to beat pedophiles with like an iron bar. Hmm. He wants to go and find pedophiles and just beat them to death. A cause that probably a lot of people would get behind, but like also that's pretty extreme. And to just like start a conversation. Yeah. I'm sure unprompted, you know, it's not like they're, you're, you're talking about things. Yeah. Hey Max, what are you doing after work today? You want to go, (laughs) want to go beat some pedophiles with an iron bar? Like, well, keep in mind he was raped by an older man. So. No, and I'm and, and I, I know it's extreme, but yeah, but that is probably why he's so hateful of these people. I'd imagine. Hmm. So he thinks that homosexuals and pedophiles are the same thing. It's literally the same thing. But I think that is like a fear of um, a a lot of people 
especially not recently, but an older fear when it comes to the public's view of homosexuality is that they thought that homosexuals would prey on their children Mm. and then, you know, in turn, you know, make them gay, but also, you know, just use them for sexual pleasure. So I don't think that um, is an uncommon thought process, especially back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was in the 90s, but... It's still far less pro- like progressive than now. Yeah. Even back in the 90s. It was more taboo than now. Now let's move on to the muscle, Robert Wagner. Let's talk about his childhood. And then we're going to talk about plenty of the murders. I want to really drive home why these guys are being so ruthless and torturing people so just barbarically. Okay. And this is Robert Wagner right here. At seven years old, he tries to kill himself. Whoa. At seven years old, he takes some of his mom's sleeping pills, takes a glass of water, and puts a whole handful down his mouth. Mm. Now, he's a big kid, as you see him now. I mean, he was bigger than most seven-year-olds, and that size saved his life. Wow. If he would have taken just two more pills, he would have been dead. Wow. But they pumped his stomach and... He survived. At seven years old, he tried to kill himself. So why do you think he would try to kill himself at seven years old? Any ideas? Depression. <clears throat> Maybe he was he being a, picked on at school. He was being abused. Before he attempted to suicide, his mother noticed him withdrawing and becoming extremely introverted. At seven years old, it turns out, before this happened, he was sexually assaulted and raped as well. Hmm. His father left him When he was only six months old, he was born in 1971 in New South Wales. He moved to Adelaide, which that's where we're going. We're not going to Snowtown. Snowtown is just where they found the bodies. Okay. They moved from Adelaide, which 11 people were killed in Adelaide. Only one person was killed in Snowtown, and he was actually killed inside the bank. But it's... This whole case is referred to as the Snowtown murders. However, most of them, all of them, Got almost it. were occurred in Adelaide. In reality, just the bodies were found in Snowtown. Exactly. He was sexually assaulted at seven years old. The trauma was so bad on him that it made him start skipping class. He drops out of school at 13 years old. He couldn't handle it. It affected him that much. Mm. He finds comfort in a new friend. A friend named Barry Lane. Now, this Barry Lane is actually a middle-aged child molester. Now, remember... he. Wait, I'm sorry. His friend that he makes is a child molester. He, he befriends mo- a child molester, and he himself was molested as a child. Sort of. It's more of the child molester friends him. So, he's having trouble in school. He gets sexually assaulted at seven years old. He's having a bunch of trouble. He moves. His parents move him to Adelaide. The neighbor that they move next to is a middle-aged, over 40, child molester named Barry Lane. And this guy, his MO, as far as picking up little boys, is he would give them small gifts. He would say, you know, and obviously Robert Wagner at 13 didn't, really understand what was going on but barry lane is like hey how you doing you know here would you like some whatever and then eventually over the period of a year he had brought robert the the muscle into his web 
And eventually, Robert, at 14 years old, moves in with this middle-aged child molester. Right there, he moves in with him. He knew that he was a child molester? You got to keep in mind, this guy was 13. He was introverted. He tried to kill himself. He has no friends. But he no did. one likes him. And then he there's this neighbor that's really nice. But the reason that okay, he so tried he to kill know. himself was because he was he was but molested he didn't, before, so, but right? But he didn't right. But, but he then he moves know. to Adelaide, and then the neighbor is really nice to him. This guy, this middle aged child molester, is really nice him. to him. And then eventually, doing whatever they do, convinces. This guy, Robert Wagner, to run away with him. Hmm. So he's 14 at the time, living with this 45-year-old child molester. What a sad story. And as you'll see, and he's done this many times before, this guy, Barry Lane. And we're not going to talk too much about him. He does end up in a barrel, but... Mm. (laughs) Deservedly so. But he has done this a few times where he would give gifts to these little kids and then lure them in. And here's what would happen. He would convince them to move out of their house and they're only 14. So they can't, they can't willingly go, but they can cut off all communication with their parents, which they do. And then when they're 18 years old, they call their mom. Hey mom, I'm living with this guy, Barry Lane. He's my boyfriend, whatever. May I, may I just pose a a question that, are the are all the people in the barrels pedophiles? No. Oh, I was gonna say this is one that I, perhaps I can get behind. Actually, <laughs> oh, if no. that's the case, the the pedophile thing may have been a motivation at first, but this is a business. Okay, this oh. is, becomes a business murder business. Oh, okay, murder, murder for, for hire? hire. Not murder for hire, but they're making money off this. At least two people in the barrel barrels are females. Okay. Well, here's all the victims right here. Okay. I'll put all these on talkmore.com. So you see... A wide array. Yeah, very wide array. And you see two females up there. Yep. Now, all these people were either living in the same neighborhood as John Bunting or were in his social circle somehow. And we're going to get to in a second. The first murder happened August 31st, 1992. The last murder, May 9th, 1999. So a seven-year So gig. a few days before... That the article you read was on the 23rd. Of right. May. So two weeks before they murder him. And as soon as they put him in the barrel, they get caught. All right. Who you're looking at now is Clinton Trezise. He was killed the 31st of August, 1992. This was the first one that was killed. This is the first victim. Mm-hmm. And it was only John Bunting because he started his career of murder by himself. He mm-hmm. actually doesn't bring anyone else involved until a lot later. This is the first one. This is how we truly see the intentions of John Bunting. This boy, Clinton, he was openly gay. He was living alone after his family ostracized him, kicked him out. We can't be associated with you because he would wear the short shorts and the tank, whatever, the uh, crop tops or whatever, and walk around the street. Mesh shirts. Yeah, so his family ostracizes All, again, them. Things that I'm jealous that I can't pull off myself. It was a style <laughs> in the 90s, though. Yes. In 1992, he comes in contact with a middle-aged child molester, Barry Lane. Same story as Robert Wagner, who is currently living with Barry Lane. This guy attracts Clinton in 
at a young age, grooms them, and then has free reign to just sexually assault them anytime he wants. Okay, that's what he does. So he actually meets Robert Wagner and Barry Lane in 1992. So Barry Lane, is he just like grooming them for his own sexual pleasure? Is he having them do other things for him, like jobs and things like that? I think it's just for sexual pleasure. I'm not 100% sure. I, I didn't see anywhere where it went into that. His background or whatever. We have one picture of him, and I'll talk a little bit about his life growing up, but other than that, I don't know. So this boy, Clinton, meets Robert Wagner and Barry Lane. At this time, Robert Wagner and John Bunting have already been associating with each other. Now, keep in mind, Robert Wagner is, I mean, you would consider him gay, a homosexual. He's living with a gay man. And they're doing sexual things together. Mm-hmm. But then you have John Justin Bunting, who is a homosexual basher in Nazism, thinking that they're the devil, you know, the worst people on earth. So once Robert Wagner and John Josh and John Justin Bunting become friends, John starts pushing that ideology on Robert Wagner. Now, Robert Wagner is starting to realize, because he's not a very smart man, you could tell. He's not very smart. But he's starting to realize that, okay, maybe this guy is right. Maybe homosexuals are bad, and maybe they are ruining society and stuff like that. Now, remember, Robert Wagner is living in this gay home, but now he's starting to resent his lifestyle and this guy, this pedophile who brought him in at 14 years old, he's starting to to see the light, according to John Bunting. It's a very hard story to tell. I'm sorry. No, it's interesting because the I think like is this child actually gay? Like there's there's some interesting points about, you know, he was molested. He was so John Bunting. No, no, no. The other Robert Wagner. Yes. Yeah, he was at first. I, well, I believe. Like, was he just confused? Because that was all he was. He was exposed to sexual experiences only with people like adults of the same sex. I think he was confused because that right. guy Barry Lane confused him. Right, but not only that, you know, he was feeling down on himself. He felt like he didn't have any friends and this man yeah. made him feel special, made him feel like this is what love yeah. is type of thing. So that's a very confusing place for a, that age. But now at 17, 18 years old, he meets John Bunting. And it's they, they live in, syndrome, really. They live in the same community in Adelaide, right. which I didn't get into Adelaide, but it's a very... Low income, poverty stricken, the government doesn't even care about Adelaide type of shit. There's a lot of crime that happens here. So he meets this guy that lives in the same subdivision that's charismatic and he's confident. And then he starts telling them all homosexuals, you know, from the writings of this guy named Adolf. They're from the writings of this guy named Adolf. <laughs> they're, they're the scum of the earth type of thing. And this guy's living that. And then, uh, Eventually, he's like, yeah, maybe he's right. So I I don't know if he was gay or not, to answer your question. He may have just been confused, but he was living a homosexual lifestyle. We do know that with Barry Lane, forced or not. I mean, he he willingly left his own mother's house, not called her for, for four years. He wasn't tied up in the garage. He willingly did that. And then when as soon as he turns 18, he calls his mom. You know, and says, now I can call you because you're not going to send the police. So I don't know. To answer your question, that's a good question. 
But this is how Clinton ended up right here. He was one of the ones that were buried. And I'll put this photo on talkmer.com. I don't know if you can see it, but you can actually, if you look closely to the left of the photo, you can see two feet right there. It's really hard oh. to see. Are those two feet or is it a torso? It's, it's two feet. He, that's his feet sticking out. Yeah, I, can't, I don't see feet, but I see like a body part. It almost looks like a decapitated torso. Clinton was lying face down when he officially died. And the official death from what the autopsy, because we actually have his bones. He's not slime. He's bones in the ground. They know he was laying face down, but the, the medical examiner is really confused. He was like, I know he was laying face down because all the the wounds, the cracks from the hammer to the back of his head are right, you know, in the back of the skull. So he's laying on his belly, face to the, the dirt. That makes sense. But why is the front of his skull so fractured? It's because John Bunting hit this boy so hard on the back of his skull, so with so much force with the hammer, that the front of his skull fractured completely. Yikes. So just think about just all of his might. All the hatred that he learned from Mein Kampf, just right down on the back of a skull. The front skull actually just breaks open completely. That's how much hatred this man has for homosexuals. Wow. That's bad. That's real bad. This was the first one that he killed solo. Here's what happens. Robert Wagner's already starting to turn. He's like, you know what? This guy, Barry Lane, he's he used me. And John Bunting's right. Like, homosexuality is yeah, not the way to go. Like, this guy's a, a pedophile. Well, the pedophilia part. Yeah, I mean, is he, the did, wrong part. he did use him for sure. Yeah. So, John Bunting is telling him all this stuff. And then they're introduced to this Clinton boy, which is now another boy toy for Barry Lane. He's living in the same house. So, there's this animosity between Robert Wagner anyway. Not, I wouldn't say jealousy, but kind of a weird whatever it was like a triangle thing and this is very important for the mo of john bunting how he gets people involved in his circle of murder he goes up to robert wagner and barry lane which he was both really friendly with now why would he be friendly with barry lane the ch child pedophile to get him to trust him so that he could easily you know get like hurt him the real reason he wanted to get close to Barry Lane and befriend him like he did is because he knows the other pedophiles. And if John Bunting wants to pick out pedophiles and put them in barrels, the best introduction he can get is this middle-aged child huh. molester, right? So he goes up to Robert Wagner and Barry Lane, which they were all friends, mm -hmm. and he takes them out there and shows them the body of this boy that Barry Lane just moved in. He shows it to him. Here, here's what I did. Look at him. So they have a choice, and looking in John Bunton's eyes, the choice is very simple. You're going to help me dispose of this body, or else you're going to be down here as well, because I'm a freaking maniac type of shit. So now they're drawn into this murder circle, and that's how at least 10 other people became murderers with John Bunting, because he introduces them, shock value, boom, here's a dead body. What are you going to do about it? Or here's someone getting tortured in a bathtub. They just need one more stab to the face. You going to do it? Are we going to have to take you out too? Now you're an oh, accomplice. Oh, wow. So now you're part of the murder scheme, right? 
And a lot of people the were scared of him. pyramid scheme. So right now, Robert Wagner is a permanent fixture. Okay, of this, because he helps dispose of the body of this boy, Clinton. Yep. Now, I want to interject right quick and say the main reason we know this is because another accomplice, which he'll bring in the same way. You're going to help me kill him? You're going to help me bury him or what? This guy, Jamie Velasquez, he is currently serving a life sentence in isolation in Australia. He was convicted of four of the murders, but he was the only he's the only reason that. We know all of this stuff, how it happened, his John's temper, John's hatred, because according to John Bunton, even today, he didn't do anything. But this guy, Jamie Velasquez, who was brought in, turned state's evidence, hoping to get immunity, but he got life in prison and a life in isolation. <laughs> so I don't know. Wow. All right. Here's Barry Lane. That's what Barry Lane looks wow. like. Wow. Kind of what I pictured, I guess. No, it. If you go up to him, don't call him Barry because he doesn't like to be called that. He likes to go by either Vanessa or Kim Lane. He's a transgendered female. Female. He has taken hormone vitamins and he has breast. So that's him. Or her. Her. her or, yeah, her. He is also a child molester who, like I said, builds trust with his victims with small gifts. He's done this many and many of times. Now, may I ask, when did... When did she transition? Was it before, what, while this was going on and he had, or, or was it after she was caught? I don't know, because not much is known about him, or at least from the book that I read, they didn't really go into it. I can tell you a little bit about his childhood, but I don't know when he started taking the hormones and stuff like that. I have no idea. But he did go by Vanessa or Kim when a John Bunting was introduced to him. So whether it was when Robert Wagner was there or not, I don't know. Or before, I don't know. Like I said, Robert Wagner at 14 years old willingly runs away with this man who you're seeing right now, Barry Lane, Vanessa Lane. He lives anonymous, anonymously with Lane for four years, completely cutting off his own mother. The mother's worried freaking sick about her child. Is he dead? Where is he? Police reports are filed. Everything. As soon as he turns 18, he calls his mom. Hey, mom, here's what I'm doing. Here's where I've been. You can't call the police because I'm 18. Kind of fucked up. But that's the the hold this guy has on these kids. Mm. Quickly going over the background of Barry Lane. Born 1955, malnourished. Australia actually takes him away from his own parents at eight months old. He gets taken away from his parents. It's actually quite a a good love story how his parents met, though. They met in the welfare line. And their first date, they shared a heroin needle. Oh. cute. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez Louise. Barry Lane spent a lot of time locked up for assaulting young boys. On one occasion, it was two boys... Both younger than 12 years old. Mm. And then you have Robert Wagner, who was Mm. 13 when he started getting groomed. Now, Barry Lane thought John Bunting was a nice guy. And John Bunting was a friend of his. Like, he was buddy-buddy. They would drink at each other's house. He didn't care about, you know, the child molesting thing, whatever. But in in his mind, John Bunting's mind, it was for a reason. He Uh wanted this guy to provide names of a list of other pedophiles so he can do 
to them what was done mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. when he was only eight, to eight years old. Mm. And that's why he was friends with this guy. The only reason. Because eventually, once he's not useful anymore, he ends up in a barrel. October 17th, 1997, Barry Lane was kidnapped. So this whole thing, the first murder started in 1992. 1997, after his usefulness is run out and he's not providing any more pedophiles, now is, is his time to go. And he's already been the accomplice in many of the barriers. So, so all the, the pedophiles that he introduced, what happened to them during that? Did they all end up in these barrels? Yeah. So a lot of the barrel people <laughs> were pedophiles. Yeah, a lot. Interesting. Well, there was 12 victims. Two were buried. So 10 in the barrels. Okay. Two females, which were not pedophiles. And one, maybe two who were not pedophiles at all, but were males. I know one was... Well, one was just a homosexual. We talked about that. Like, one was, was not One pedophile. was straight, and, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, but he not pedophile or anything. Okay. Here's where you got to think about the business side of it. So, John Bunting has this thing that we're going to talk about here in a second. It's called the Wall of Spiders. Oh, no. And it's basically... That sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Legit. We'll talk about that in a second. That's like... No! You, the Temple of Doom. <laughs> hell no. Yeah, it's like the you walk into a haunted house attraction and it's like, in here in the room of spiders and then someone jumps out at you. I will... Actually, I, I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about the acid story with, uh, you know, what, he, what the, the guy used to do with spiders. When I was still living in our townhouse, John... And I had first started dating and I woke up feeling something on my stomach and I swatted it and I was like, ah, swatted it, turned on the light and it was the most gigantic spider I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, and it was not good because I freaked John out when I woke up screaming like that. Do you remember this? Because I remember I will never forget how big that spider was that was crawling on me in the middle of the night. It like still like now anytime I feel like, you know, how uh-huh. you just feel like a breeze and you're like, oh, my God, is that a spider? I think about that all the time. Well, like, there were some big spiders. It was a spider. Well, like I said, there were some big spiders on my on my patio and like I'm afraid to go out there and like t- take care of them because I don't want to get attacked. White vinegar works to kill spiders. You can put it in a spray bottle, empty spray bottle and spray. Or you just try to befriend them, be nice to them and let them crawl on your skin. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. And no, 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 no. That's a hard no for me. October 17th, 1997 is going to be Barry Lane's last day on planet Earth. He was kidnapped by John Bunting, Robert Wagner. He was abducted by aliens. Yeah, legit. He was kidnapped by John Bunting and Robert Wagner, the kid that he had took in and John Bunting had turned over against homosexuals. I was going to say he had what was coming to him. And another kid, which we're going to talk about, because he ends up in the barrel next. His name is Thomas Trevlin. Let me reiterate the MO right quick, because this has become a profitable business for these gentlemen. They were actually collecting pensions. So the people they were killing, one of the criteria was, do they have a pension from the government? Are they getting Social Security or whatever from the government? Do they have a steady paycheck that I could just torture their bank numbers out of them? Ooh. And go withdraw the cash myself, because if they do, 
then we have a barrel for them. And they were making good money. I mean, think about, I think maybe 10 of the victims had pensions and they were collecting all that between Robert Wagner and John Justin Bunting. It's a good living. It's a good living. Remember, I said that kind of earlier. Yeah. Another part of the MO here, and this will come into play shortly, you'll see. And they actually had to learn this over time. But he would make the victims. Now, this is after they're wrapped up, tortured, which we're about to get into in really minute detail about all the torture methods. But once they're wrapped up, tied up, handcuffs or maybe a rag that's tying their hands, they're bound up at the feet, they're thrown in the bathtub, they've been beat so hard, they're laying there butt naked, blood going everywhere out of their nose and stuff. They would make them call a relative on the phone right there while they're over them, Robert Wagner and John Bunting, over them, threatening them, just beat the shit out of them. They would make him call his mom or whatever. They would make him be real mean to the mom. So this guy, Barry Lane, calls his own mother, which was, I don't know, 75, 80 at the time. Her name was Sylvia Lane, like that author. Not the author, but, you know, a Sylvia Lane. Mm-hmm. And Sylvia Platt? Yeah, that's what I thought you were thinking of. Oh, I don't know. Was some, no, Sylvia Lane is like a romance novelist. Oh, I don't know. Don't my mom reads Sylvia Lane. I was going to say, you would know. Your mom reads a romance novelist? Oh, that's weird that you know that. My boyfriend reads me erotica. Yeah, so. we re- we're in the same book club. What? Barry calls his mother Sylvia Lane, who at the time thought her son was just really drunk. Now, he is screaming at the phone, fuck you, mom, because they're telling him to do this. Fuck you. Don't come look for me. I'm done with life. I'm moving to Queensland. Don't look for me. As soon as he says that, then what's the mother going to do? She's going to look for him. Well, no, not that. She's not going to look for him because now he just yelled at her not to look for him and he's done with her. Oh, no. If I was a mom and my child said, don't look for me, I would immediately start looking for them. Something's wrong. After all this happened, the mothers and even one fiance remembers, oh, yeah, I did hear other voices in the background. So they didn't really... They didn't think about it. They didn't think about it, but they did think about it enough to do this. So he is tied up. He is thrown in the bathtub. A dirty sock is inserted into his mouth as a gag. And not only that, duct tape is wrapped around the dirty sock and the back of his head. So he can't spit it out. But at first, they they like to hear the scream. But, you know, when it gets too loud with some of these torture methods... You got to put a sock in it, you know, or they're going to alert the neighbors. Right. So, Nicole, if you want to read this, this is from the book Bodies in Barrels. They began the normal tirade of beatings, and then the men took a pair of pliers and began to crush Lane's toes one by one. Through the extreme pain, Lane could barely raise more than a muted whimper. Now, this is very light. Compared to what they're going to do. They're just getting their groove now. You know, they start ramping it up around this time. But he was strangled to death after they take these pliers and start ripping out their toenails and fingernails. Anytime that happens in movies, I'm always like, oh, my God, like that makes me cringe more than someone getting decapitated. Like that, like, oh, because you can like really feel that. Ah! Also carrots. You know, it really pisses John Bunting off is when their victim dies 
before, suddenly before he's ready for them because, to die. No, well, not that. But John Bunting is doing this. Let's say with the pliers, you know, clipping down on them little nuggets, carrots, and you see him crack, crack, and then the victim dies because he's choked on his own sock. And unfortunately, John was looking away. What he wanted to do is get right eye and eye with the guy, with a pedophile, with the the vision of that guy, that brother that raped him at eight years old. And he wanted to see that life force exit his body. He wants to see that. He's eye and eye with them. Bloodshot eyes just looking like, ah, where is it? I want to see that soul leave the body. That's what he wants to do. That's terrible. So after he was dead, he was wrapped in the carpet. And now, guess what? What? Thomas Trevlin is also involved. So that was just Barry Lane. But now there's another guy, Thomas Trevlin, who was involved. They didn't want to be involved. But guess what? Hey, can you help us out? I got, I want to, uh, I need to fix this TV. Can you come over here and just help? Oh, guess what? We have someone in the bathroom and I want you to take these pliers and start clamping down on their nails. Now he's involved. Because what's he going to say? No. Fuck no. He's not going to say no. I mean, you got Robert Wagner, his big dude muscler, muscle guy. He ain't going to say no and then try to run out. Now, going back to the wall of spiders, Barry Lane helped him build this, what John Bunting would call the wall of spiders. Barry Lane's name was actually in the middle. Okay. I mean, he never saw this, but it was a cork board. You know, if you go into a detective station, CSI or whatever, they got the cork and blue string, red string go into each name. Mm -hmm. That was what this was. Barry Lane was smack dab in the middle. And oh, they were just figuring out all of his connections to other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like another child molester or pedophile. And this board was filled up. A lot of the names weren't murdered because they didn't have time. But. Filled out with pedophiles. And then that was called the wall of spiders. He would call them spiders. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, it looked like a spider's web with all the things. Well, that's less scary than like what yeah, we initially from, thought. From my worst nightmare. Yeah. He would call these people dirty. Quote, dirty. End quote. So the, the, here's the dirties. The dirties. I mean, it's a wall of pedophiles. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the names were all linked with blue string they're all coming from barry lane but once they stopped finding victims for him they had to snuff him out too he would select a name and start terrorizing them immediately without them knowing he would call him on the phone and start yelling cussing at him telling him he's going to kill him a just complete rage maniacaholic hmm. he would actually go and to their work pour brake fluid on their cars which would eat the paint he would graffiti everything he would start creating these detailed records, including the types of deviances for each one. So Barry Lane's, for instance, his little note card on the wall of spiders included, quote, waiting around near public toilets for children, end quote, <gasps> wearing, quote, poofter pants, end quote, which are pants that are too revealing, quote, punching dung, end quote, which is having gay sex, Ugh. And, I, know, Jesus, Ugh, I don't like that term. <laughs> and flaunting homosexual lifestyle. He was known as a rock spider, which a rock spider to him is a, quote, known toucher, end quote, of boys age, ages 12 to 14. And also Barry Lane, he put on his note card that he did not physically torture, but use psychological tricks such as gifts. And he found out this information from Robert Wagner, obviously. 
Lane was then thrown into a 44-gallon drum, and he was the one that was stinking up the bank. One of them. One of ten. Now, Travelin, this guy named Travelin, who you haven't seen yet, there's not actually a picture of him, but he was already mentally disabled when he came into all this, and he's just a kid. But now he's just been an accomplice in this horrific murder where this dude's squeezing his fingernails off and stuff like that. He starts suffering mentally and he becomes a liability. He becomes violent. I believe he was schizophrenic and he stopped taking his medications. And John Bunting noticed that he was a liability. And this is what he looks like now. Or this is the only real picture we got of him. Oh, wow. Hmm. A little bit about this guy, Thomas Trevlin. As you see, that's his gravestone. He was born with mental health issues. His uh, grandparents raised him in 1997. Uh, he wanted to be his own person, so he moved out, and he moved into this little town called Adelaide. In actuality, he didn't move out because he was self-sufficient. He moved out because he met a middle-aged child molester named Barry Lane. Mm-hmm. So you see all the people ended up in the barrels are now connected to Barry Lane. Yep. He was still really young in his teenage but he years. Was, he was an innocent in this, and yet he still was Yeah. Killed. Oh, yeah. But to to John Bunting, oh, you're homosexual? Well, that to me, that well, means you're a, a pedophile. Vi- he was a victim. I know, but he thinks pedophilia and homosexuality. And if you read Mein Kampf, but again, then that he, he's got, I mean... I, I know we're not we're not disagreeing. I'm just saying like oh. he was he was preyed upon by a child molester. Yeah, so technically he is a victim. He was yeah. not like he may not have even been gay himself. He was a victim of a terrible horrific crime. Yeah, no, you're right. And according to the the one that turned over state's evidence, the only reason John Bunting killed him was because he was a liability. Remember, he was right. He couldn't deal with the fact that he was an accomplice to murder. Ugh. So now he's like getting violent. He's stopping taking his medication. He's just, you know, he's so close to just go into the cops. So, you know, we got a barrel. I just he, bought this barrel. Twenty five bucks. Let's put him in it. That's how these guys end up. Mm. I mean, John Bunting is a straight fucking maniac, like out of his mind. It's interesting because if this were obviously there's a lot of interesting things at play, like he's got a spider web going on a wall wall of spiders between this one guy and he's killing a lot of people related to it. And he's got the whole Mein Kampf Hitler shit that he's. But if this was like a vigilante justice type story instead I know in his head he's thinking it's vigilante justice. Like, yeah. I'm going to do all this. But if it was true, like, those are the types of stories that are really hard for you to be like, ooh, this is bad. In this case, it's bad because he's not just, he, he, there are innocents involved. He is, like, a Nazi supporter, whatever. There's a lot of really terrible things that this guy is, is standing for. But in, in vigilante justice stories, I do have a really hard time even though it's murder siding against That's a really them. good point, what you just said, because you, you want to pull for someone killing pedophiles. I get it. Right. And that is some of the appeal, because John Bunting got about 10 people involved in this, including one female, Elizabeth Hayden. And the you know how she got involved, because there was a pedophile that they were killing in the bathtub, 
And now she is on the side of, oh my God, I, I get to kill this pedophile. Yes, I'm, I'm making the world better. So that is how he united all these people. That was one of the things. In reality, he just loves killing because he's a fucking psychopath and he wanted the pensions. That's the reason he right, did it. Right, right. Well, this Andy is not like had a some, selfless act. Right. Yeah, exactly. He, exactly. But that is, I mean, you're so motivated to rid the world of pedophiles I mean, it's not hard to get people, especially in a lower income society like where they were in Adelaide, to jump on board with this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point you brought brought up there. Now, Thomas Trevlin was lucky, if you will. He did die, but he wasn't in a barrel. He didn't stink up the bank vault. But on the 5th of November, Trevlin, Thomas Trevlin you're seeing the gravestone of there now, was actually found by a passing trucker. Mm. The trucker, he's riding down the, the highway, looks over, and he sees a body swaying in the wind, the noose attached around his neck. Oh, no. They had staged a suicide. They had put a noose on him, tied it around a tree, and then waited and watched him die and left him there a few days later. He's swaying in the Australian wind. A trucker sees him. The police push it off his eye. He just killed himself. You know? That's terrible. What were you laughing at? The way you said it with the truck driving. My head made some really interesting associations. I was thinking about that Eagle song, Take It Easy. I was running down the road trying to loosen my load. Yeah. yeah. That, that's like what it came to. And then I thought about the big Lebowski saying, fuck the Eagles. I can't listen to the Eagles because of that movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my dad loves the Eagles. Actually, we went to see the Eagles. I love it was the, their, Eagles. I like the Eagles. Yeah. It was their farewell tour number five. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> I love the Eagles, but yeah. I also love the big Lebowski. Or like, yeah, he's like, fuck, fuck the, the Eagles. Eagles, man. So a little bit more about the M.O. of both Bunting and Wagner. John Bunting loves power. Wagner, like I said, was the muscle. John actually calls Robert, quote, Papa Smurf. Do you want to take a guess why he would call him Papa Smurf? Because he almost looks like him. John Bunting called him Papa Smurf because he would beat the victims so bad that they would actually, their bodies would turn blue oh. before they were dead. That's why oh. I call him Papa Smurf. Plus, I guess he looks like Papa Smurf. Well, no, John Bunting looks like Papa Smurf. Oh. You just put a hat on him and turn him blue. Wagner started hating homosexuals. He even gets engaged to a woman and moves in with her and her three kids. He actually is living this lifestyle of being a hitman for John Bunting killing the muscle, killing these victims. He's the one that's doing it. He's the one that's because he'll, he'll wrap the noose around their neck or, mm -hmm. or the wire, whatever they got speaker wire while John Bunting is staring into their eyes. He's like pulling them back. So this guy, Robert Wagner is the one who's actually killing them, but he meets a woman gets engaged and he moves in with her and her three kids. He joins the volunteer fire department and he becomes a staple in the local community. People mm. actually really like him. Wow. He, he's even part of the council for the local school. Hmm. Interesting. During this time of killing all these people, he's just like <laughs> fucking. But he also starts becoming a very outspoken racist. He <sighs> abhors African Americans, Asians, and of course poofters. Even though he was a homos well, you know, living a homosexual life. Interesting. Kind of crazy. Anyway, we're moving pretty fast. 
This is one of the next victims. His name is Ray Davies. He grew up poor. Both of his parents were mentally disabled. He started playing with dolls as a child. He started wearing his sister's clothes. And he ends up becoming a child molester in his own right, molesting two boys. He lives in the same neighborhood as Bunting, and he would actually hide in the bushes in that same neighborhood. And everyone knew. And when I say neighborhood, not to be mean about this or or talk down to anyone, but they're living in what they call in Australia caravans, which I had to look up. They're trailers. It's a trailer park. Okay. So a caravan. So I was like, caravan? What the fuck is that? It's a trailer. A great Van Morrison song. I thought about gypsies. Yes, it's a a trailer park where they're living. So he was living in his own trailer. But in this trailer park, he was hiding in bushes and waiting for that school bus to come up. The kids get off. Hey, nice to see you. I'll see you tomorrow. He was in the bushes masturbating while these kids are walking by. And all the whole neighborhood knows because he's this big guy out there in the bushes. That's no good. Masturbating to the kids. So obviously John Bunting got involved real quick. And everyone in the neighborhood knows his hatred for homosexuals. So if you would like to read this, Nicole. Oh, I should say he also was arrested a few times. Let's just call it animal cruelty. Oh, Oh, no. As she walked around to the rear of her house, she saw the teenager playing in the yard with the dog. It took her a moment to realize what was happening, but the reality struck her hard. Ray seemed to be trying to have sex with the animal. Scolding him, Ray's aunt demanded that the boy return her home. He did so, all the while being told how he was a dirty boy. Ray Davies, who you're looking at right here, go talkmore.com, putting all these photos on there. He was handcuffed by both Bunting and Robert. He was dragged upstairs and thrown in the bathtub. He was stripped down naked. And Robert Wagner takes a a uh, one of those hand uh, car jacks, like the um, the wrenches, the car wrenches. Yeah, uh-huh. What were they called? I can't a remember. A jack. Yeah, a car jack. Well, not like a hydraulic jack, but like a um, car wrench thing. A, a tire jack? Tire jack, yeah, whatever. Tire iron? Tire iron, yes, thank you. He takes a tire iron and this guy, Ray Davies, is in the bathroom, in the tub, bound up. His feet and his hands are bound up. He's butt naked. Robert Wagner takes his tire iron and just starts hitting his testicles. Boom. boom. And this is going to become the M.O. for all the other victims. He wouldn't stop. John Button wouldn't let him stop because John Bunting is looking in his eyes the whole time he's doing this. He's not releasing eye contact. He's waiting to see that suffering. Mm-hmm. So he's hitting the testicle so hard that they actually increase to the size of a baseball, each one of them. And that's when Robert Wagner stops. Now, at this point, another accomplice is involved for the first time. Her name is Elizabeth Hayden. And this is under the premise that and she knows this because she lives in the neighborhood. She knows this guy is masturbating in the bushes to kids to kids. She knows he was trying to have sex with all these dogs. Like, she knows this guy's a pedophile. She knows if she doesn't help kill this guy and he's allowed to keep jerking it in bushes, eventually he's going to grab one of them kids. So now Elizabeth Hayden starts taking a a knife, just a regular kitchen knife, and stabbing him. Mm. Now she's involved, but, I mean, is that a bad thing? She's killing a pedophile. 
In her mind, she's like, I'm this is I'm doing God's work. I get Mm -hmm. it. Vigilante justice. Elizabeth was no innocent party in this attack. When called into the bedroom, she helped Wagner wrap jump cables around Davy's neck, squeezing them tighter and tighter, right up until the last bit of breath was squeezed from his lungs. This is Elizabeth Hayden right here. So she ended up in a barrel herself. Yeah, she is actually in one of her own barrels, I think. She'll actually die on November 1996. She was married to a friend of John Bunting's named Mark Hayden. They had kids, Mark Hayden and Elizabeth, they had kids and a whole family. John Bunting was having an affair with her, Elizabeth Mm. Hayden. I should mention as a pseudo cult leader, he's having sex with a bunch of, you know, random women all of his friends' wives. Number one rule of a sex cult, have sex with everyone's wives. So Elizabeth Bunting will be placed in a barrel too. Her death was November 1996. Robert Wagner and John Bunting took care of her. Now, not much is known about what they did, but here, if you want to read this, this is from Bodies in a Barrel book. According to Bunting, he and Wagner hadn't gone into the home and sliced and diced the body. They cut her up and put the pieces in the bathtub, with Bunting even describing a moment when Wagner had used the dismembered head as a puppet, telling John to kiss it. Give her a kiss. Come on, give her a kiss. He's like, got her hair. Give her a kiss. Come on, give her a kiss. (laughs) They're laughing the whole time. The victims, they're... John Bunting worked in a slaughterhouse, remember? He actually likes dismembering the bodies. He does not mind this at all. Oh, he loves it. He likes dismembering the bodies. So they cut off her head, and then Wagner is, you know, being a funny guy. (laughs) Give her a kiss. Come on, give her a kiss. You fucked her. You give her a kiss. Kind of shit. Crazy shit, isn't it? Gross. Not right. Now, another part of the MO here that I should mention, and they start doing this as, as well, and this is actually extremely intelligent, for anyone taking notes, they would kill someone, put them in a barrel, whatever, get rid of the body. And then people would be asking, you know, where is so-and-so? Individually, both Wagner and John Bunting would go around the neighborhood and just start this whisper campaign. You know, oh, yeah, I heard what's his name went off to Queensland with some some floozy he met or whatever. You know, I don't know if that's true, but I heard, you know, what I'm saying they would create these rumors and that is one of the reasons why police couldn't catch on because they would go they would they would suspect john bunting knew more than he let on but then mm-hmm. they would go to the neighbor oh yeah i think i think that guy went to queensland with some floozy that's what i heard at least so that was actually really smart that they were doing that mm. i don't think i've ever seen anyone do that before however police did finally find cctv footage of bunting actually withdrawing bank monies And you can see here, this is one of the photos of him withdrawing one of the pensions that was deposited into one of the accounts after he would, you know, kill them. So they're like, oh, okay, they went to Queensland, but they're not spending any of their money. And now you're withdrawing their money. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Kind of shit. Let's talk about the last murder. I'm sorry this is so long. I'm really trying to get, get this done. This is Fred Brooks right here, who you're looking at. Nice looking kid, teenager. He is not a pedophile. He is not a homosexual. He actually has a, a, a girlfriend and has aspirations to become an Air Force, be, become an airman in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. He's got good grades. Everything's good about this guy. So why is he die? Because he, he stood up something. to them. Huh? He stood up to them. 
he sees kind something. of kind of that's a good guess on september 17th 1998 right before he was going to go to the air force to do his basic training he was reported missing now he is a son of a lady named gail her name is gail hayden if the okay. word if the name Hayden sounds familiar, Elizabeth Hayden just ended up in a barrel. Right. So her sister, Gail Bunting, is also having an affair with this girl named Gail. Okay. The sister of the one that just ended up in the barrel, mm-hmm. which was fr- I know this is crazy, but which was friends, which was the wife of one of his friends. I know it's kind of That is a twisted love rhombus. <laughs> yes. He is the son of the sister of one of the women, Elizabeth Hayden, that ended up in the barrel. So, John Bunting starts having an affair with Gail. And, oh, Gail's got a son. And he's really cool. His name is Fred Brooks. And he's 12, 13 years old at the time. John Bunting is like a father figure. But guess what? Fred doesn't fucking like him at all. He's like, I see right through you. I don't like you. I'm not going to call you dad. I don't want to go fishing with you. Fuck off. That's his downfall. That's the only reason that John Bunting decides to, to kill this kid. And he does it in a very barbaric way is because he was turned down by this kid mm. trying to be wow. his dad, his father figure. And this kid's like, fuck you. I see right through you. You're violent. You're a piece of shit. I don't want anything to do with you. He's 12 years old when he told him this. Wow. So. <sighs> good for the kid. But yeah. well, I mean, it didn't end up being that good. Correct. Yeah, September 17th, 1998. Next, Wagner and John took off the teenager's trousers and shirt before laying into him with a savage beating. A lit cigarette was inserted into Fred's nose and another in his ear. John laughed, blowing the lit tip to keep it going. They also brought in a new device called the Variac machine. You want to take a guess what that is? I feel like I've heard of this machine before. They sell them on Amazon. They're, yeah, actually, yeah. You remember the Robert Wone story we yes. just did? It kind of reminded me of that. It's not a sex thing, though. Oh. This is just, um, it it uh, introduces current it, to like start your car or whatever, your boat battery. It's an electrical stimulator, but it's not for sex. It's uh, called a Variac machine. In fact, this is the actual cord from the evidence locker room of oh. the one that they used. This one in particular went up to 260 volts. And Nicole knows how that feels because she got shocked with 120 volts like two weeks ago. <laughs> it was like two months ago at this point. How much did that hurt, 120 volts? It hurt. So think I about, could feel it in my arm for a while. Oof. So what would it feel like doubling that? Um, yeah, that would really hurt. And then put that doubling on straight on your testicles, wrap them around your testicles. Well, I do not have testicles. Well, you know what I mean. I'm sure... It would hurt tremendously. Mm-hmm. John Bunting, who was refused as a father figure by Fred, they capture him, put him in the bathtub, strip him naked, attach his variac machine to his testicles. And this guy's not gay. Fred Brooks isn't gay or, or pedophile or anything. But John starts asking him questions about this random local girl saying, did you molest this girl? Which is not true. He's just he's trying to make an excuse for what he's doing. In reality, he was turned down by this kid because he's a piece of shit and he's, he hates that. So every time he would answer the question truthfully, but 
According to John Bunton, not truthfully, the way he didn't want it to be answered, he would increase the voltage. Mm. And it goes from 10 to 260 volts until he starts screaming because it's, the voltage is going straight through his balls. He starts agreeing with everything. Yeah, I, I raped or whatever, just because the pain hurts so bad. Mm. He starts screaming, screaming, screaming. And this is the first time and the only time that John Bunton took out a voice recorder and recorded the torture. And he would later replay it back. And there was even a part where Wagner punches him in the face. Boom. Right in the face. Right in the face. And they would both laugh about that. Oh, that's where you hit him right there. I heard it. Boom. That's so dumb. Why would wow. you why would you record that? That could potentially Very be used against you. Yeah. yeah. The crocodile clips were attached to Fred's body. The first was snapped onto the teenager's penis while the second was clipped to one of his testicles. Mm. Setting the dial to 20 volts, bolting delivered his the first burst of electricity. Next came the sparklers. They actually brought some sparklers from home. Like the fireworks kind of sparklers? <gasps> these are what sparklers look like. Where do you think they put these things? Oh, no. Up his butt? These were inserted in Fred's urethra. Oh, <gasps> no. His penis hole. And then they were lit. John loved this. He was looking in the eyes the whole time and saying, yeah, you wish I was your dad. You wish you would have said something. What a fuck. They put him in his penis hole and then lit them on fire. And this is from the book Bodies and Barrels. They took sparklers, the kind given to children at parties, and pushed one into Fred's urethra. Once it was in place, they lit the top. Gradually, the sparkling end burned all the way down, reaching the flesh and leaving Fred writhing in agony. All right, so Does we covered a lot of the murders are, are really you quick. Like holding your <laughs> your your junk while you're reading. I mean, this? I was when I first found that out. Oh. Oh, man Wait, so we could we i will never look at a sparkler the same ever again we went through this story really quick i didn't want to make it two parters we covered a lot of murders here in the end let's just say that especially the, the robert wag the robert wagner trial i know for certain they almost had a mistrial oh do you know why why it's not because what you think three of the jurors in the robert wagner trial dropped out after the barrel photos came out and they had to walk through the barrels, they they completely quit. They were like, I can't do this. <laughs> I don't wow. have nightmares for the rest of my life. They almost wow. had a mistrial. They had to redo the whole trial again with new jurors. Fucking crazy. I don't think I've ever seen that. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I've not heard of that before, actually. Three. Either. Three of them said they now don't know each other. They just like, I can't do it. It's too bad. It's too, this is too it's bad. It's too much. Yeah, it is too much. Well, I guess like, I mean, it's different in Australia, I'm sure. But if you don't have the mental, if you're not mentally competent enough to to like be on a jury, they do. I think that's one of the questions they asked you if like you can Handle do it. it. Yeah. So to wrap this up and again, thanks Malachi for this recommendation. Yeah. The trial lasted about a year in December 2003. John Bunting found was found guilty of 11 counts of murder. So basically all of them set one. Robert Wagner was found guilty of 10. Mark Hayden, who we didn't really go into, he was brought into the murder scene. They actually, two of the victims. Same last name, Hayden. Yeah. Oh yeah, Mark Hayden. He was convicted of five. I, I didn't get into this, but Mark Hay Hayden was the husband of Elizabeth Hayden. Okay. The whole time Mark Hayden was involved in this, he actually was told by John Bunting that his wife ran away from him 
He oh. John Bunting said, "Oh, your wife tried to make an advance at me, and then she just leaves town." Meanwhile, she was in. The She's barrel. in the barrel. He didn't know that, so he Got was it. stuffing other people in the barrels, not knowing his own wife was in there. Anyway, I didn't really get to that. Uh, a guy named Jamie, which we didn't really get to either. He was the one that turned state's evidence. He was found guilty of four murders, and John Bunting is the obviously the mastermind. Uh, sentenced to life in prison, no parole, consecutive. 11 counts of murder. Good. Wow. So, and that's basically the story. Crazy story. And I, I know I ran through it really quick, but uh, what'd you guys think? Nuts. Crazy. Also awesome story. D- definitely a fantastic request from mm-hmm. Malachi. Yeah. And there's a couple of, uh, there's a movie out there that's on uh, <gasps> really? Amazon. Yeah. It's got some uh, kind of big actors in it uh, called the Snowtown Murders. So check that out. Ooh. There's also a good uh, documentary I honestly haven't watched any of them. I'm sorry. But I know the movie has high reviews on Amazon, so we might watch it later. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I hear our dogs barking in the background, so we're going to call this a night. But thanks again, Malachi, for your request. If you'd like to request your own stories or dedicate a shot to us or or whatever, or tell me that I'm John's your favorite, go to talkmer.com slash join, become a supremo. Again, you can uh, follow the blog at talkmore.com. You can find us on YouTube. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.